Hey guys and gals, welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast brought to you by Arrowhead Land Company. Here you will be educated, entertained, and equipped to get more out of your outdoor experience. So hold on tight because here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast. I am so glad that you're here. And if you're new, this is a very, very special episode. It's an episode that I wasn't sure I would ever get to actually do. And so thank you for tuning in. This week, we're going to be talking about my quest for a deer that I have called the 2% buck. And we're going to get into why I called him that and the entire story here in this episode. Uh, But first, before I get into it, I want to just throw a huge, huge shout out and thank you to all the people that have been following this story for years, honestly. And uh, man, I got so many uh, Instagram messages, Facebook messages, texts, just all kinds of, of just really awesome messages from people who know what this deer meant to me, know the challenges this deer threw my way. And, uh, and again, we're going to get into all of that stuff here in this episode. And so, honestly, I don't have much of an intro because a lot of the things I would talk about we're going to cover in the episode. Uh, but I do want to throw out real quick, uh, this coming weekend, which will have already happened, obviously, by the time y'all listen to this, uh, I am going to hang out with the, uh, the good folks at the Oklahoma Outdoor Outreach Foundation. We're doing their uh, fall deer hunt, so they do a turkey hunt in the spring, they do a youth hunt, and then they do this hunt. And so, just want to shout them out again, because I love the organization. Obviously, it'll be too late to volunteer by the time you hear this, but if you find it in your heart to help out some way... If you could, you know, help out financially or, you know, donating something for the raffle, look them up and give them a call um, because it is just a great organization. They take, um, you know, disabled and terminally ill um, people out to just let them enjoy God's creation. Um, They do a fantastic job. They feed them. They put them up. It doesn't cost them anything. And the reason it doesn't cost them anything is because of great people like yourself um, donating money. And so if you want to volunteer and help out, that's great. But like I said, if you can't uh, manage to do that, um, you can always write that check. And they could really use the help and support. So that's pretty much it um, for this intro. Um, Like I said, we got an, an awesome amazing podcast coming up. I'm going to lay out the entire story, history of this deer, what he's meant to me, how he's changed, how I hunt, how I go about land management, because a lot of the things that I've done uh, to improve this property that I'm hunting over the last four or five years are because of this single buck. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Thank you guys for tuning in and that's it. We're going to get into it right now. All right, folks, welcome in. Welcome to the story of the 2% buck. And I really don't know how else to start this story than going all the way back to the beginning. And um, it really starts with us buying this piece of property. So um, we had a a property that I'd been hunting for several years in southeastern Oklahoma. And kind of the way it all came about was, you know, I, my dad was raised in the cattle business. I was raised in the cattle business along with my, you know, brothers and everything. Well, my oldest brother, he joined the army, uh, you know, went to military college, 
joined the army, had a very successful military career, and was kind of dabbling with getting out, but wasn't sure what he wanted to do. And basically, it really wasn't any part me. It was really my dad and brother decided they would get back into the cattle business. And that's kind of what got my brother out of the army, brought him home and everything. And so the property that we had was not a cattle property whatsoever. It was pretty much just kind of a recreational hunting type property. So we started looking and obviously we wanted to place fairly close to it. And we found this property. And again, we bought this property 100% for a cattle ranch had had no intentions of hunting there really uh, or that it would be any good for hunting and so that was in 2017 and so I think we actually ended up closing on the property like right around the beginning of deer season I want to say we closed like September 1st and so um, you know y'all heard me talk about this property a lot mostly wide open cattle pasture Um, in the back, there's this area that was a little bit more rugged, had some old growth stuff. It was complete, completely clear cut in 2008. And so we bought it in 2017. So it had like kind of nine years to grow up a little bit, but not, you know, there wasn't a lot of big timber or anything. And so just because I, I'm a hunter and I'm not going to not try, uh, in 2017, I took over like one old crappy feeder and um, I think I had one camera back there, and I think like pretty much the entire year, and I even moved the feeder. Like I wasn't getting any pictures on it. Uh, I moved it back really down into the canyon, like on a little road about halfway down. And I got one picture of one buck, and it was actually a pretty decent sized, cool looking buck, kind of a mule deer looking buck. Like had a big fork on one side, but anyway. So I, I just kind of convinced myself that there weren't any deer on this property because I wasn't getting pictures of them on this feeder and all this and that. Um, so, you know, going into deer season, like I said, we still had the other property. That's where all my focus was, all my tree stands, cameras, feeders, everything was on that other property. And then by co- complete coincidence, I think I've told this story before, um, it would have been late October. It was muzzleloader season. It was October 26th, actually. I'll tell you the day. Um, I was actually sitting there waiting for a cattle truck to pull up to deliver some cows. And this guy pulls up and he's like, Hey, is this y'all's place? And I was like, yeah, it's our place. And he's like, man, there's a deer up here by the road and you need to go kill this thing. And to be honest, I kind of threw like put him off a little bit at first because again, I don't think there's any deer around here. And uh, I was like, man, like, I'm kind of waiting on these trucks. I don't know if I should leave. He's like, hey, I'm telling you, you need to come kill this buck or somebody's going to poach it. And so I was like, all right, like, I'll, you know, I'll come with you. And long story short, I end up killing that buck. And then to this day, it's the biggest buck I've ever killed. Um, So after I killed that buck, I was like, okay, maybe there's something to this place. Like, maybe I need to put a little bit more effort in. Um, so the next year it rolls around again, we still have the other property and that's where most of my stuff is. But I was like, there's obviously maybe something going on here. And so in 2018, I, I think I moved two feeders over, um, to this property. And, uh, and then I would also just every once in a while, I, like I bought a couple cheap cameras and I just put them up in random places and pour some corn out. Cause that's like, I, I hadn't figured this property out. It was way more, hilly than I was used to. Um, and I just, like, I wasn't finding deer really. Um, well, in, early in 2018, 
uh, I, I put a camera up in this random spot and I just poured a bag of corn in front of it just to try to, you know, see what was up. And I ended up getting a picture of this really nice three-year-old tin. And he was already like pretty good size. I'm going to say he was probably like 130, 135 inch 10 point um, at three years old. And at this time, y'all heard me talk about it. Like my dream was a nice, typical, clean 10 point. And I'd never killed one. I'd killed, uh, you know, a 13 point, a 14 point, eights, nines. I just, but I'd kill, I'd not killed a nice, typical 10. And so I was, I was honestly a little like tempted to kill him that year. But I knew he needed at least one more year, and I was I was kind of starting to get in that point in my hunting career where I was you know trying to, to trying to shoot better bucks and hold off on stuff, and so so I had a, a you know a few pictures of that buck, and then that year during rifle season, I had found an old blind that one of the previous owners had like pushed up into the trees, an old homemade blind metal frame, just some tin on it, you know, no windows or anything like that, just kind of a metal box, super loud and everything. And so I was like, you know, at one point somebody thought this was a good spot. And so I'm just going to try it. So I took a tractor back there. I think I had to take a chainsaw and kind of cut my way into it, pulled it out and just set it up on this hill overlooking this saddle, the infamous saddle that I still hunt to this day. And so it was the Saturday after Thanksgiving. Uh, my buddy Kelly came up with me, and he was going to film for me because this is during the time I thought I was going to be a you know TV star. And so we're sitting up in this homemade metal blind. It's a cold, kind of nasty morning, and uh, we weren't seeing much. And all of a sudden, I look to my right, and I see this nice-looking deer coming through the saddle. So pull. I don't think I even had binoculars. Pull up my rifle, and I recognize it. It's the three-year-old tin. And he walks from south to north through the saddle. Doesn't really stop, but you know I, I know what deer it is. And and my buddy's got the camera on it and stuff. I was like, yeah, it's that three year old. I think I'm gonna let him go. Little did I know, <laughs> me passing that deer was gonna send me on the roller coaster of my life. Uh, and I got a few more pictures of him that year. Again, I only had like two or three setups, and, and I still wasn't hunting this property super hard because we had the other property I was extremely familiar with it um and again like I just wasn't I hadn't figured this new property out I I was still new to it couldn't figure out these big rolling hills and everything um and so yeah I I just I just didn't try that hard so 2018 ends yeah I I think I I don't know I don't know if I killed deer that year or not um but 2019 rolls around and, uh, and, and I can't get this 10 point out of my head. Cause again, like I'm, I'm just dreaming of this nice, beautiful, typical 10 point. And so, um, one other big thing happened, uh, in 2019, we officially made the decision that we were going to sell, um, our, our recreational property. And we were going to kind of go all in on the ranch. Um, the plan was to buy, you know, sell that place, buy more property closer to the ranch, which we still haven't really done. Um, but you know, there's a lot of discussion with my dad and brother and I, uh, I was up there ranching full time at this time and I was like, yes, I'm okay with it. Like, you know, let's do this thing. So, uh, in 2019, I put a little bit more effort into the new property. Um, because again, I knew eventually that's going to be where a lot of my hunting was going to take place. Um, so I moved a few more feeders, made some setups. I'm still trying to learn it and ended up being like a really good year there. Like I, that's 2019 is kind of the year that I learned that, Hey, we have some pretty nice deer over here. I just got to figure out how to kill them. 
Um, oddly enough, I actually did not see um, this 10-point, uh, who at the time I had not named yet, um, but I did not see him actually at all in 2019. Uh, even though he was like the deer I was dreaming of, he was the deer I was after, never saw him, and I don't believe I got a single picture of him in 2019, and he would have been four years old that year. So 2020 comes around, and and it's time for me to make the complete shift. So our the, the other properties for sale, I know it's leaving. Um, you know, we were going to leave a lot of the the hunting stuff with the property, you know, for the sale and everything. And so um, my dad and brother and I, had, we had already kind of talked like, hey, when we sell that, because, you know, I was the only one that really hunted. And so I was like, hey, if I leave all that stuff over there, like I want to be able to buy new stuff for this property. And so we agreed and kind of what we agreed upon is we would go ahead and buy the feeders um, to kind of get the place, you know, up and going. Um, but we would wait to buy blinds until the property actually sold because we needed that money to buy the new ones. So <clears throat> so going into uh, 2020, I was kind of getting full full in on this new property. Um, you know, I, I hadn't forgot about the 10 point, but I didn't see him in 2019. And so I, he was kind of out of my mind a little bit. Um, but I had some other good deer rolling around. Um, I, you know, like I said, I'd gotten a few more cameras out. I'd got some pictures, so some some old, like super mature deer, which is really encouraging just to know that deer could live to old age. There wasn't very much pressure around this property. And I, and I was starting to figure out that it could be something special with a little bit of work. So going into 2020, like I said, I, I was kind of starting to figure this property out a little bit and the big hills and one of the biggest things that I learned was that I had to get back out of the canyon a little bit. Like I kept trying to go down into it and, you know, because I, I knew that was the, the thick area and where these deer were probably living. Uh, but I, I quickly learned that to hunt it successfully, I had to back out of there. You know, I had to not pressure it, kind of give that to the deer. And that's honestly what I've done ever since. And then the other big thing I learned was that I was going to have to get some blinds, which I could not afford. Um, because as I mentioned, this property, like there are not very many trees and you know, the few places where there are some mature trees that you could hang a tree stand in, these weren't places that you wanted to hunt. Um, and so in 2020, I went out and bought myself. I I don't think I, I don't, yeah, I wasn't married yet. Maybe I was, I don't know what year I got married, Uh, but I had some disposable, a little bit of disposable income. And so I think I paid like $900 each and I bought two Cryvoman poly blinds. These are kind of like the round, um, you know, plastic blinds. And I made some super janky homemade five foot stands to put them on, you know, out of like two by fours and some plywood. And, uh, and then I had my feeders and stuff. And so I'm kind of placing these around and I, I had one or two other spots where I, had some tree stands. Um, one one area that's going to play a big part in this story. Uh, we have a pasture that we call the cemetery pasture, and it's kind of our far southwest southwestern pasture. And in this pasture, there are literally two trees. Like on our side of the fence, there are two trees, and they were big old um, like crab apple boat art trees, but like massive ones. And so I end up putting. One of my feeders, within shooting distance of this tree, I was able to, to put a stand in that tree. And uh, and then the other, uh, one of my other good spots, a spot that I still hunt to this day, you know, I call it the back. It's basically 
kind of back just on the outside of the canyon, as far, basically as far from the house as you can get um, in my little hunting area. And uh, so I, I had a feeder there, and I had one of those poly blinds there. Um, and so had it set up and, uh, I think I couldn't afford panels to put around the feeder. I think I bought some like cheaper net wrap type stuff to try to fence it off from the hogs that didn't work very well. Um, but I had that around the feeder and then I had, I think I bought like a couple trophy rocks to throw in there. Just, just doing whatever I could to, you know, try to attract deer to the spot. And it was that year in 2020 um, in August where I got my first really good picture of what you guys know as the 2% buck. Um, he was beautiful. He was just my dream deer. He was full velvet, tall, decently wide, long main beams, mature. He would have been five years old this year. And, and I instantly recognized him as, you know, the same 10 point that I'd seen two years before. Um, and, and I know there's probably some people out there like, oh, how do you know it was the same deer if he disappeared? Uh, the, I, I know that now, one, I mean, the frame is exactly the same. But also, this is not the only deer that I've had disappear for a year on this place. I don't know where they go. I don't know if I just missed them. Like I said, I wasn't running very many cameras at this time, only like two or three on the whole property. Um, but I, I know, I just, without a doubt, I know it's the same deer. You, you can't miss him. And so I just went into hyperdrive. I was like, oh my goodness, here's this deer. And, uh, of course being me and being dumb, I started like looking up, you know, the state record and the county record and all this. And, uh, I actually, I nicknamed this deer originally before I started this podcast. I originally called him CR, which stands for county record because I believe if I could have killed this deer in his prime when he was like five maybe six uh, I think w- with my bow I should emphasize that if I would have would have been able to kill this deer with my bow at five or six years old I'm pretty sure he would have been the county record typical whitetail uh, he was that nice looking he was that beautiful um, had everything I could dream of and I immediately fell in love and I was like, yes, this is the deer. Um, and, and I quickly learned that this was no ordinary whitetail. Um, so like I said, all summer long, I, I wouldn't say I had a bunch of pictures of them, but I had several pictures of them over the summer in August and into early September. And then he disappeared as a lot of deer do kind of into September and early October. And then I started getting pictures of him over in the cemetery and, uh, again, the cemetery pasture is nothing but Bermuda grass. Um, it's actually one of our most like fertile pastures we have. And so, you know, trying to like fence some of it off or, you know, plow under some of the Bermuda grass to make a food plot like that is just, it's just out of the question. It's some of our most productive cattle ground we have. Um, but unfortunately right across the fence on the neighbors, it is super thick overgrown um yeah i mean just perfect whitetail habitat and and that honestly is why it took me so long to catch up with this deer because he just didn't live on us um and i we had a good relationship with that neighbor he himself did not hunt um but he did have a daughter who hunted uh, you know a little bit like she would kind of hunt during rifle season um and so he would not allow me to hunt there um 
but he I, he did actually tell me one day if I saw him across the fence, I could shoot him, uh, but he wouldn't actually let me go like actively hunt over there. And so basically I had this feeder. It was probably 40 yards off the fence next to my one tree that I could hunt. And that's what I had to hunt this deer with. Um, and I got tons of pictures of them in, in 2020. Uh, but again, like I said, we still had the other property. Um, we ended up selling it later that year, but I still had access to it. There were other bucks running around that were honestly just more killable. And so even though this deer um, CR was a very high priority, there were just other deer that were more killable. And I was kind of, I don't know, I just wasn't quite ready in my deer hunting career to like dedicate myself to one buck. Like I was just still enjoying hunting and killing deer. So even though he was a very high priority, he wasn't necessarily like the priority. And a lot of times what would happen is I would end up, you know, filling one of my buck tags in November or, you know, whatever. And then late season would come around. This deer would still be, you know, only at night and some other, you know, not as nice, but fully matured, somewhat nice deer would start daylighting. The season was winding down and I'd go kill that deer. And, you know, use my second buck tag. Um, So that was pretty much it for 2020. Like I said, I want to say in 2020, I got one almost daylight picture. Like it was like December or early January. And he came in with like maybe five minutes of light left, like right at last light. Um, And that was it. Like not a single full on daytime picture of him. So 2020 goes by, got this buck and, uh, and, and I'm like, I'm infatuated with him. So that year going from 2020 into 2021, uh, again, a couple more transitions. So the, the other property we had for sale, it actually sold. So it was done and gone. Um, once it sold, you know, I was able to get my, my blinds, my bank's blinds, which helped a ton. Um, and then, but also not only that, like that's when I really got into the habitat work on this property. And again, like, I mean, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you've heard a lot of things and I'll, I'll touch on them. But anytime I was back there, you know, clearing cedars or trying to improve a bedding area, burning, clearing for a food plot, making a food plot, expanding a food plot, like anytime I was back there doing that type of thing, it was with this deer in mind. Like I was trying to kill this deer and you know, there's other nice deer that I was kind of keeping track of and, and wanting to shoot and stuff. But CR was the one that was driving me nuts. And he was the, the motivating factor behind trying to learn more, trying to figure out what I could do, um, spending a lot of money uh, that I you know probably shouldn't have been spending. Uh, I, I put a lot of effort into trying to fence the dadgum cows out of my deer areas. Um, I spent money on feeder panels, trying to get the hogs away from the feeders. Um, because again, like the area he was coming to, I knew a food plot was out of the question. There were like, there was no trail to set up on. There's no trees. Like I can't set a tree stand up on some random spot. Uh, cause I couldn't hunt the neighbors. Like I knew if I was going to kill him, it would have to be at a feeder. Like that's just kind of where I was at with this deer, which is not super exciting for a lot of people to hear, but that's just the cards I was dealt. And so going into 2021, um, like I said, I, I had my blinds. Um, I was able to, uh, you know, move some things around. And, uh, so 2021, uh, the deer would have been 
six years old. This is also the year I started the podcast, I'm pretty sure, <coughs> which is crazy to say. And, uh, and so I, I, I didn't want to, you know, get on this microphone in front of thousands of people and talk about this potential county record buck that I was hunting. And so, uh, it, you know, I, I think when I started the podcast, I called him the 1% buck because I gave myself like a 1% chance of killing him because he was so nocturnal. And then going from 2020 into 21, I, I bumped it up to 2%. And I, I bumped it up to 2% just because I felt like I knew him a little better. Um, like I said, I was getting these blinds and stuff. Um, and, and I just, I had a lot of pictures of him in 2020. They were just all at night. And so I figured going into 21 with all this knowledge and stuff, like I was like, oh, I got a little bit better chance of killing him. And so that's when I started calling him the 2% buck, as you guys now know of him. So 2021 rolls around, and it was a carbon copy of 2020. Um, actually, the first picture I got of him in the summer was the exact same day uh, I'd got of him in 2020. Um, so that was the same Again, hung out in the back in 2020 or 2021. Um, he shifted over to the cemetery uh, early October, and I think I actually got I got less pictures of him in 2021, but I did get a few daylight pictures that year. When I say a few, I think I got three. Um, one of them was like 11 a.m., like smack dab middle of the day, but it was like you know mid November prime rut time. And then I think at the end of that year, I got two pictures of him in the evening in like, you know, late December, January. Um, and so usually what would happen is early October, I'd usually get a few pictures of him, you know, every night. And then the rut would come around and I'd lose him for a little while. You know, I'd get a picture like every maybe once a week, something like that. And he was probably just coming by the feeder to check for does. Um, and then, like I said, you know, late December and January would come around and he'd be there almost every single night. And I really, I really wasn't hunting this deer this hard because I knew like if I was going to kill this deer, he had to be extremely comfortable. And I think y'all have probably heard me talk about that before, because again, like I was basically 100% reliant on killing this deer to feed her. I just didn't have access to where he was living and, and I knew that going into it. And so, um, you know, every year I would, I would do maybe five hunts that I would say I was legitimately hunting this deer. And, you know, like I said, he'd, he'd be coming in at night and then he'd come in like right on the edge of daylight one evening. So I'd go in the next evening and try to get him. And of course he wouldn't be there. The closest I ever got, there was one time I'll never forget it. It was, it was this year in 2021. Uh, I was hunting in, in that tree, uh, the old Bodark tree in the cemetery, and uh, he had been there in daylight the, the evening before, so I was stretching it, and you know it got to the end of legal light, and I, I basically climbed down as quickly as I could because I didn't want to bump him, and kind of took off you know at a half jog trying to get back to the truck, and I would park like a half mile away because again, like there was nowhere for me to park my truck without him being able to see it, so I had to walk a really long way. And I'll never forget, I, I put my stuff in the back seat, I climbed in the driver's seat, and my phone buzzed, pulled it up, and it was my cell cam, and he was at that feeder, right? There. Like, less than five minutes. I mean, I was, like, I was, you know, 300 yards away from him right then in that moment, but it was after shooting light, and I didn't have a chance at him. So, so that was 21. 
Um, going from 20, I think 21 was the year I made my, my big food plot in the back. It was like two acres, something like that. Um, again, because I, I, like I knew I had pictures of them there during the summer. And so I, I, my plan with that food plot was to try to hold him there and make him not go over to the cemetery where I didn't have as much control, but of course he did it anyway. So going from 21 to 22, uh, I, I just put even more work in. Um, I took the dozer back and I started dozing in bedding areas in the canyon, started clearing, um, clearing cedars. Uh, we did a big burn in 2022. Um, like I said, I expanded the food plot from two acres to three acres. Uh, again, like I was just doing everything possible to try and kill this deer. Um, as a result of all this, I ended up, you know, the last two or three years, I have killed really nice other bucks, you know, and it all came from this work I've been doing, the food plots and the, the bedding and all this and that. Um, but I just wasn't able to kill him. So 2022 comes around and he changed a little bit, not much. Um, I think I got, I didn't get the picture of him the same time I normally did. It was a little bit later. Um, no, I take that back. I got a picture of him earlier. I got a picture of him on July 14th in 2022. Um, and then, but then I didn't get any pictures of him really the rest of the summer. And then I got like right around the beginning of October, got a few pictures of him. And then last year in 2022, he was not near as consistent as he had been in 20 and 21. And I was feeling really good that I was going to kill him in 2022. Just like I kind of from 20 to 21, I was like, oh, I have so much more knowledge about him. I've learned so much more about him. Uh, But he just really, he just changed a lot in 2022. Um, It was a very dry year, if y'all remember that. We had a super, super dry summer. Um, He actually shrunk quite a bit from 21 to 22. Like I said, in 21 at 6, um, that might've been his biggest rack. He, he was pretty similar from five years old to six years old, like very little change. Um, from six to seven with that dry year, he actually went down to a nine point. He was no longer a 10. Uh, so he, uh, lost, you know, a whole probably five, six inches on one side. Um, I could tell his mass was down. He still had really good twos and threes. Um, his four on the side that he kept was decent. Um, but I could tell, you know, one, he's just getting older Two, It was really dry. He just kind of wasn't quite himself. Um, as far as like him shifting his pattern and everything, I, cu- I couldn't tell you why. Uh, and honestly, he didn't shift his pattern that much. He just wasn't around as much. Like I just didn't get as many pictures of him. He was still in the same areas. Uh, I just wasn't getting as many pictures of him. Uh, but coming towards the end of 2022, um, the, the famous sighting. So I was I was getting some pictures of him in the cemetery. I had moved my setup. I, I think I forgot to mention that. Um, so in 2022, again, I had my, my new Banks blinds. And so I moved the feeder from the west side of the cemetery pasture to the east side. Because I, I kind of, you know, I was getting, oh, that's right. Yeah, in 2021, I was getting more pictures of him in the middle. Like he was going back and forth between the back and the cemetery and I was getting some pictures of him in the middle. And so I kind of assumed he was bedded further east. And so I was like, maybe if I can move my food source further east, I can get some more daylight pictures of him. Like, you won't have to travel as far. Um, I, again, I'd never been able to do that before because I was relying on that one sneaking tree. 
But with the bank's blind, I could make that shift. So set my blind up, moved the feeder over, fenced it from the hogs and everything, and was ready for 2022. So again, I, I got more, uh, I got less pictures of him overall, but I got more pictures of him in different spots, which was encouraging to me because I was like, hey, maybe I can just not kill him in this one specific spot. Maybe I can catch him in the middle. Um, so yeah, I was hunting the saddle a little bit more. I had another spot in between that. I don't understand why he never went to more, honestly. There's a feeder there. There's a food plot there. I, I call it the triangle setup. It's basically on the northern front hillside of the, the canyon. And it, it seems like to me it should be directly in his path when he's going from the back to the cemetery. But I think he would cut a little further south um, through a neighbor, uh, a different neighbor that I was talking about earlier, but actually the exact same situation. He actually he hunts a little bit, not much. Um, but he had a daughter in high school who who hunted quite a bit, um, but they never really hunted this part of of their property because it was yeah I don't want to describe it too closely, but uh, it, was, it was it was not as easy for them to access. Um, so anyway, so yeah, twenty last year twenty twenty two, again some sightings, not many, and then what day? It was December I think fourteenth. Um, I was hunting the cemetery and I had a picture of him like right at uh last light the evening before and uh so it was archery season it was past rifle so i'm sitting there in the blind and if you've been listening to the podcast you know this story the famous story uh so i'm sitting in there and some does came out and they came out in front of me like i had seen a lot of deer come from and they looked like they were looking directly at the blind but they weren't uh downwind or anything like that I was like, man, what are these deer looking at? They just kind of seem nervous. And so I turn around, I look out the back window of the blind, and I see more does behind me, a good like 300 yards away, like different pasture, um, kind of coming out of this little creek bank. And uh, so I'm looking at these does, and then all of a sudden I look to the right just a little bit, and I just see this monster of a body, like way, way bigger body than these does. And I pull up my binoculars, and instantly I was like, that is him. Like, there's no mistaking this deer. Body is just massive. He's tall, um, just big framed. And uh, I was like, oh my goodness, that's him. So I'm looking at him. I, I take a few pictures, but he's too far away. They're not good pictures. And after a few minutes, he, he goes over the hill, the opposite direction, back down, kind of into that draw. And I was like, man, hey, like, just to see him is an honor. And I'm kind of thinking to myself, like, should I try? Like, I know where he is for once in my life. Should I try to get out of this blind and maybe go try to go after him? And I'm thinking the wind isn't super great for where he's at. And while I'm kind of having this mental battle, I I watch him come back up out of that draw. I'm like, oh my gosh, there he is again. And I'm thinking about it. I was like, man, he was at this feeder last night. Like, he's going to come this direction. I need to just sit tight. So I'm sitting there, I'm watching him. He's kind of looking at those does, um, kind of just standing there, not doing anything. And then kind of out of nowhere, he just kind of puts his head down and starts coming my way. And I'm like, no way this is about to happen. And uh, so I'm, I'm trying to kind of play this in my head. And he actually had to go through my wind from where he was coming from. And I would brought my Ozonics. And so I close up all the windows. I leave the front window open and the one kind of to my front left 
and I'm running those Onyx, and I'm looking, I'm not seeing him, not seeing him. It's getting dark. I'm looking at my watch. I think there's like 12 minutes of light left or something at this point, so I know it's getting dark. And uh, and I'm looking, I'm not seeing him. And then all of a sudden, he just like appears, and he's standing at the fence. He's on our property. He's just between the fence of our you know our two pastures. And uh, and he's just he's looking at the feeder, and I can see him kind of you know sniffing the air. And he's not directly downwind at this point, but he's he's getting there. Like he's like, and he one hundred percent for him to come into the feeder, like he has to go through my wind. And so I'm sitting there, I'm holding my bow, I'm super nervous, and I kind of get a little ch- a little lucky. So he he finally he jumps the fence and he kind of takes off trotting, and he actually trots right through my wind. Um, I'm very glad he wasn't walking. Like I said, had the Ozonics uh, running. And he actually stops broadside in that window, that front left window. And I range him, and he's at 44 yards. And and I have a shot, but I'm like, man, this is just not a high odd shot. It's late. That's a pretty far shot. He's on high alert. And and I just felt like I shouldn't take that shot. I was like, he, he like he's here. He's going to come into the feeder. Like, I just need to be, be patient. He'll come into 20 yards. And so I'm sitting there watching him looking at the clock it's getting later and later and instead of coming straight in he actually circles around which i i don't understand why he did that because he had already gone through like he was already downwind um i i I don't know if he got a whiff of me coming through or maybe he smelled the ozonics and thought something might be off he's just a freaking smart old deer um and so anyway like i said he kind of bubbles around so now he's directly in front of me He's still he's he's facing me. He's not uh, broadside. He's facing me. I range him, and he was actually at the same distance. He's forty four yards, and again he's facing the feeder. I was like, he's gonna come in, and I'm 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 ready. You know, I'm not I haven't drawn or anything, but I got the release on. Like I'm ready to go, and he starts walking towards me, and my heart immediately like I'm trying to stay calm, but my heart just goes nuts. I was like, this is about to happen. He's coming in. He makes it to probably thirty yards. And out of nowhere, the famous bottle, there was an old half-drink water bottle in the bottom of the blind. And as that sun went down and it got colder, it condensed and, like, cracked. And he heard that, and boy, that was it. He turned around, ran off, and and I was just so heartbroken. I was so close. Uh, and that was the first time, I don't think I mentioned this, at least this time, that was the first time I had seen him with my own eyes since that day, he crossed the saddle as a three-year-old, um, and I again, I was just so heartbroken. Um, I got a picture of him the next night, a mile away, or not quite a mile, like three quarters of a mile away, or something. He was he went to the back, um, and and that was pretty much it for the rest of the year. I mean, he he came a few times at night, um, but I I never had another crack at him. Uh, ended up killing a. Uh, a nice eight point with my bow, I think the next night actually. Um, so yeah, that, that was it for 2022. So coming into 2023, this, this is the year. So we'll talk about it. Um, again, he was incredibly heavy on the mind. Um, uh, I attempted to do some more burning there in the Canyon. Um, I've talked about that this year a lot. I never got the weather and my schedule to, to time out well. Um, but I did a little bit more clearing, um, you know, just with the dozer, took out some more cedars and stuff like that, made some bedding areas uh, larger, excuse me. Um, I, I attempted to do some screening 
around my food plot at the back, uh, but my I, I didn't do something right. The screen never really grew. Um, I did, but I did, I did mow back there, the native grass around the summer equinox, which I know sounds like witchcraft, but I swear it works. This is the second time I've done it and it's worked both times. So I ended up having a pretty good screen anyway, just because of the, the, the regular native grass grew so good. Um, I, I bought a big, pretty nice, um, uh, protein feeder, um, I expanded the feeder pin a little bit in the back because uh, I always get a bunch of buck pictures in the back during the summer, including you know the two percent buck. So uh, the point of the protein feeder, I've talked about this several times. I was not trying to grow bigger antlers with this protein feeder. I was simply trying to hold deer and keep them off the neighbors. I was trying everything possible to not give bucks or deer in general a reason to leave our property so i've been creating bedding in the canyon there's a um a uh, man why can i never think of this <laughs> where the water comes out of the ground there's a uh gosh and i still can't think of it y'all know it spring there is a spring in the canyon so there's water down in there um you know it, it's it's cool in the summer it's warm in the winter i have this nice food plot i added a food plot uh, to the north by the saddle um, just did a ton more habitat work. And, uh, sure enough, one year to the date from last year, um, on July 14th, I got a picture of a buck that I was like 98% sure was the 2%. Ah, like that math. 98% sure was the 2% buck. Um, I had a picture of him at the end of 2022 on like January 27th. And so I knew he had made it through deer season and everything. Um, so I was feeling good about that. He's just kind of an older deer. Like, you know, for all I knew, he was going to die of old age or a coyote was going to get him or something. So, like I said, July 14th, got a picture of this buck that I just knew had to be him. He was looking directly at the camera, so I didn't have a lot of good views. It was just one picture. Um, but I was like, hey, he's here. He's alive. Uh, but oddly enough, he didn't actually come to the feeder. And then I didn't get another picture of him for like, six weeks or something like that, uh, over a month, long enough that I started doubting what I had seen. Um, and you know, I was getting all these other bucks and does and like, I was getting tons of different deer, but I wasn't getting any pictures of him. And so I actually looked the picture back up a few different times. Cause like, I, he's gotta be there. And then I don't remember the date. It was like at the end of August or early September, um, I woke up every morning. I was waking up ready to check my, my cell camera pictures. And, uh, I got a picture that was just 100% without a doubt him. I got like two or three pictures actually. And, uh, and I was like, all right, game on. Here we go again, year five. And so going into this year, I was like, what can I do differently? And I really didn't have a good answer for it. Um, I, I still had basically the exact same setups. Um, I did, I, I forgot to mention, I planted a spring plot for the first time. Uh, I did soybeans that turned out pretty good until the drought got them. Um, I had three different soybean plots. Um, I, of course, turned all three of those into fall plots, had my feeders going. Um, I was about as hands-off in, in all of my deer areas as I've ever been uh, because I really put an emphasis in 2022 of getting my setups like solid, done, you know, all my blinds done, got them all fenced, uh, had my blinds up, 
And so even though I was doing, you know, some prep work this summer, it was nothing compared to what I'd always done in the past. And so I was just trying to like, let him be, honestly. Um, I'd go back there and fill the protein feeder like once a month. And that was about it. Um, you know, if, when I had to, I'd go back there and like plant my food plot or whatever. Um, but I was just trying to completely stay out of there and let the deer have that area. So, um, kind of as usual into September comes, stopped getting pictures of him. And then early October, I actually, for the first time in ever, it was definitely, it was, it was the protein feeder. Um, I got pictures of him during deer season in the back. And I don't think I had ever done that before. He was coming to the protein feeder and I was like, man, there's a chance I might kill this buck like first week or two of the season. Um, I ended up killing my other buck October what 5th. Um, and, but during that time, the 2% buck was also coming to that feeder. He just wasn't coming in daylight. Uh, the buck I killed stone, he was coming that other nice four-year-old slingshot. He was coming 2% would just wait till dark and then he'd come. Um, so anyway, I killed my buck and, uh, uh, slingshot came back the next night. I think 2% came back like two or three nights after, uh, I killed my buck. And so that, you know, that didn't mess up the area or anything. I was pretty confident in that. Um, but I knew he'd be shifting to the cemetery soon. Uh, that's just, again, I have years of history with this buck at this time. Um, so I, I was prepared. I was like, all right, any day now he's going to shift to the cemetery. Well, oddly enough, uh, about the time I thought that, uh, I start getting pictures from my camera at the cemetery and it was cows. Uh, my brother had, had put cows in that pasture. Didn't think much about it. Um, I, I, it's obviously never, never my favorite thing, you know, when there's cows in that pasture because it is, you know, one of the hot spots. Um, but anyway, so about two days after my brother put cows back there, I got a picture of him back there and I was like, Hey, here it is. Same old, same old, um, you know, game on. That was the one and only picture I got of him in the cemetery this year, which is obviously completely different from the past four. Um, I would get a, a, a picture of him every now and again at the back, uh, but I started getting pictures of him uh, on the east side of our property, which the cemetery I already mentioned is the far west. He was coming in the far east, so he shifted his pattern three quarters of a mile, something like that, which really scared me because... We have really good neighbors to the west, not so sure about the east. Um, to the south is the property that I mentioned, you know, got bought and split up and everything. So I was really scared he was going to go back there. Um, the, the land to the east of us actually got leased this year um, for hunting. And so I was really nervous about that because I don't know anything about these people or, or what they're willing to shoot or not shoot. And so I, I was, I, I have been extremely nervous this year, this year. Because I just knew, like, this buck, the 2% buck, he had to be betting to the east, like, on the neighbors. I just didn't know any other way around it. Um, and so that's what I've been thinking all, all deer season. Um, now let's kind of shift into the actual hunt and the, the few days leading up to me killing. Because I basically learned that the more that I learned about this deer, the less I knew. <laughs> um uh, as I mentioned, I got a few pictures of him. Uh, he, he wasn't coming to a feeder. Um, I just had a camera on a trail on the east side of our property, kind of up this draw. And I got two or three different pictures of him there. And then I believe it was like the, the end of October. Yep, I remember it was, it was right around muzzleloader season. Uh, I got a picture of him at 
my sacrificial hog feeder. So I have on our property, on the whole property, I have five feeders running. Four of them are fenced, uh, and one of them is not. And literally the only reason I have this feeder is to try to try to draw the hogs to this area so they don't mess with my other setups. And then it also kind of works out like if I have, you know, buddies come up that, you know, maybe they don't deer hunt or I don't want them to deer hunt. Um, you know, they can come hang up, come hang out and I can put them there and they can hunt hogs while I hunt deer. I know that sounds selfish, but it's whitetails. Um, so anyway, uh, so I have this feeder and the whole purpose of it is for hogs. Well, I got a picture of them there one evening and I wouldn't say I was completely shocked. Like I would get pictures of deer there every now and again, but usually just nothing consistent because again, like there's nine days out of 10, there's going to be a hog there either in the evening or right after daylight or, you know, they'll get pretty consistent on that thing. Um, but this year just kind of like nobody ever hunted that spot really. Um, yeah, just none of my buddies have really come up this year. My family hasn't. Um, and so it it just wasn't getting hunted. And so I hunted it one time. So I got that picture one evening and it was during muzzleloader season. So I went and sat there the next evening actually. And, And the whole time I was sitting there, I felt ridiculous. I was like, why am I hunting this spot? Like, there's never going to be deer here, blah, blah, blah. So I hunted it one time during muzzleloader season. Uh, he didn't come back. Um, and then, so, I, you know, I'm, I'm hunting at the back a lot. I got a few pictures of him at the back. Um, didn't get many pictures of him in early November. Uh, you know, I, I went to, on my Iowa trip. I don't know if I got any pictures of him while I was gone. Uh, and so I'm, I'm getting more and more afraid again, that one of the neighbors either has killed him or is going to kill him. Cause he's just not following his usual pattern. Um, so, so yeah, I get back from Iowa. Um, that coming weekend is rifle season. Uh, I only got to hunt one day that opening weekend, took my wife up there. Uh, I think I actually got a picture of him one or two nights before that at night, um, in the back. And so that when I did hunt that evening, I hunted back there, ended up seeing that nice other buck, a uh, real nice eight point right at last light. Um, very glad he didn't give me a better opportunity because uh, I actually just got a picture of him a few days ago. I didn't get a real good look because it, it was pretty dark and he basically a doe popped out. He chased her onto the neighbors and I kind of, you know, it was, it was real dark. Didn't get a real good look at him. But I could tell he was framey. Um, and like I said, I just got a picture of him a few days ago and he was a really nice buck and I would have been very, very tempted to use my last tag on him. Um, but anyway, nothing happened then go back to work that week and, um, the, the weekend's coming and, or yeah, that was Thanksgiving, uh, week. And so I had already planned, I, I didn't get to hunt earlier that week. Um, I had planned to, uh, hang out with the family on Thursday and then get up there to hunt, hopefully Friday, Saturday, and maybe Sunday. Um, so Thanksgiving comes and goes. Well, Thanksgiving evening, I got a picture of the 2% buck in daylight, um, at the hog feeder. And I was like, okay, like, here we go again. So I get up there in time to hunt on Friday and I'm just, I'm like, man, this is the most recent information I have. And so I'm going to hunt the hog feeder. And so I, I wouldn't say I got there late, not, but I, I definitely didn't get there quite as early as I wanted to. Um, I think the feeder went off at 4.45. I got in about 4. Um, so, you know, plenty of time before the feeder went off, but just not as early as I wanted to. And so, 
sitting there, and again, I, I almost feel half, ridic- half ridiculous hunting this spot. Um, there's a gigantic fire ant pile in the blind. I'm in one of those little, uh, old Krivelman round blinds. Um, and so, yeah, there's fire ants in there. There's a black widow in the blind. Um, just not a great scenario. Uh, actually I had some hogs come out and I was like, God, do I, do I shoot them? Do I not shoot them? Um, cause I just hate letting hogs get away. Um, Anyway, so Friday evening, the hunt comes and goes, and didn't see him. So leave. Uh, I was hanging out with my brother and uh, uh, his family that evening. Uh, phone goes off, and sure enough, he still came in. It was just after dark. It was, uh, I want to say it was like 9 o'clock, something like that. So, I mean, a good ways after shooting light. And so... I was like, man, he's obviously in this area. Um, the rut's kind of winding down. You know, it's late November. Usually this time of year, you start seeing bucks start coming back to hammer the food, try to regain some of the energy and weight that they lost, you know, during the rut. And I was like, man, like, it's worth another sit there. Like, he's obviously in the area. And, um, and the wind was going to be like perfect. It was going to be a southeast wind. I just assumed, like I said, like I was like, he has to be coming from the east. Even the pictures I was getting, he was coming from the east. It just made sense because that's just where it's the thickest. Um, that's just where I assumed he was coming from. And so uh, Saturday rolls around. Um, I actually I had not sighted in a brand new rifle that I bought this summer. I don't think I talked about this at all. Um, I. Um, I replaced my Christensen rifle that got uh, stolen on my elk hunt last year. You know, a lot of the Sportsman's Empire uh, guys and a lot of you listeners chipped in, and I was able to buy another Christensen rifle. Well, I bought the rifle this summer, but I didn't have enough money for the scope, and so I was saving up for the scope. Finally uh, got enough money for the scope, and I'd had it sitting in, uh, in the cart online, um, waiting for my check to drop so I could actually buy it. Well, in the amount of time from the time I'd put it in the cart till I actually got the check and could order it, it went on back order and I didn't realize that. And so it ended up being delayed like three weeks. That three weeks went by and it was delayed another week. Um, and then I finally got it and I thought that my gun had come with a rail and like I'd bought scope rings that went on a rail. Come to find out my gun did not have a rail and I couldn't just go buy one. You know, there's nowhere to buy one around there. So let's say I'd never gotten the rifle sighted in. So Saturday morning, I went and shot my rifle for the very first time, got it sighted in. You know, I put like a half a box of ammo through it or something and didn't have much else going on. You know, I went around, checked some cameras and stuff. I was like, man, I'm going to get in early today. I was like, something tells me that this buck, like he just, he's got to be close by and I'm, I'm basically, I was afraid that I was bumping him coming in, even though I was coming in across a, a big wide open cattle pasture. It's at the base of a ridge. Um, I've done some habitat work in this area. Like there's bedding really close by. And I was like, I wonder if I'm just coming in too close to when the feeder goes off and he knows I'm there. And so, uh, I got in like an extra hour early that day. Still not you know crazy early, but I got in there about three o'clock. Um, I made sure to park really far away, parked over the hill, sprayed down the whole nine yards. Um, I don't think I brought my Ozonics with me because, again, the wind was pretty much perfect. So get in there early, get set up, keep all the windows closed, trying to hold my scent in and everything, and, and I'm, it's just a waiting game. 
Uh, so, um, sitting there, feeder goes off, nothing's happening, not seeing any other deer. Uh, my poor niece, she's been hunting hard this, she hunted during youth weekend. She's been hunting this rifle season. She like, we just can't put her on a deer. Like the deer just had disappeared for some reason. Um, so I was, I was talking to my brother, you know, trying to get her on a deer and everything and sitting there and I'm looking at the clock and five o'clock, uh, comes by and, uh, you know, nothing's happening. 5.30 comes by, and I think legal shooting light was at like 5.44. And so, basically, I'm already thinking about the next day. Um, I was like, you know, it's not going to happen again. This deer, he either moved on or he's too smart, whatever. And so, I'm actually kind of starting to pack up a little bit. Because, uh, I, I, again, like I want to try to get out clean. And so, when I know there might be a shooter buck in the area, basically, as soon as legal light ends, I want to try to get out of there. You know, if I'm hunting a feeder setup. I want to try to get out of there before he comes out. And so halfway packed up, sitting there, it's dark enough that like you can't see much unless it's right in front of you. And so I'm not on my phone or anything. I don't want the light shining up. So I'm just kind of sitting there with with my hands folded in my lap. And all of a sudden, this deer just walks right in front of me. And I just see length. Like I see really tall tines. And... I'm like, no way. And I kid you not, the two percent bucks the two percent buck walks from the west thirty yards in front of the blind. And in the blind I'm in, it's only forty seven yards. Cause again, I had this set up for hogs. I don't have it set up for deer. I don't care about deer at this spot. Um so my thinking is I want it close enough to where somebody can shoot like a, a red dot AR or something and try to kill multiple hogs at once. So I, I have it close. So this deer walks by like thirty yards. Um, I, I know it's him, but I pull the binoculars up real quick just to double check. And it, and like, there's no doubt. And I can like, my heart has not beat that hard. And I don't know how long I'm surprised I didn't have a heart attack, put the binoculars down. I have a bipod, so I don't have to put the barrel out the window. I'd already hit, like I had the bipod at the right height. I had practiced putting the gun out. I had taken the strap off the gun. So it didn't squeak. Like I, I was ready. So pull the, open the window, get my bipod, put the gun up. And, and I'm still just in awe that like this might happen. And he's facing directly away from me. Like his butt is facing me and, and I'm panicking. I'm like, I know this deer is not going to be here long. Cause I, I usually on, on a lot of my feeders, I have the, the camera set up to where it takes a picture every minute. Um, and usually I would just get like one, maybe two pictures of this buck anytime he came to a feeder. And so like, it was very much a come in, take a few bites and leave. And so I'm, I'm like panicking that he's not going to even eat corn. So I got the, the crosshairs on him. I'm zoomed in and he's just facing directly away. And, and you know, it feels like eternity, but this whole thing happened in like maybe 25 seconds. So he comes in, get the gun up. I'm staring at him. He's facing away. And he finally, he takes like, not even a full step to his left. He takes about a half step to his left with his front leg, and, and I pull the trigger, <laughs> and uh, and he goes down. There was no blood trail. Like I said, I'm shooting a 300 Win Mag at like 42 yards, something like that. And he he like reared up on his hind legs, stood there for a second, and then almost like in a movie, fell over on his back, and he was just down. Like there was no kicking. No, nothing. Um, 
and that was it. And I I almost dropped my gun. I couldn't even stay in the blind. I opened the black door, the back door. There, there's no tower or anything. Like this blind's just sitting on the ground. Open the back door, and and I want to capture this for myself and you guys and everything. So I immediately pull up my phone, and I don't open up Instagram or anything. I just pull up a video and I start videoing myself. <clears throat> and uh, like I'm telling y'all, my heart, like I have not been this excited about a deer probably ever. Um, even though he's not my biggest deer. Uh, he, uh, I guess technically he's like my fifth biggest deer. Uh, we'll get into the score and everything here in a second, but, uh, but just the journey, like this deer, it was not about the antlers whatsoever in the beginning it was, but at this point, like it is just about the journey. And this deer has ran me through the ringer. He has caused me so many sleepless nights. He, like I, like I talked about for the last five years when I, did something involved with deer hunting. This is the deer I was thinking about. I was planning food plots for this deer. I was sweating my butt off in the middle of summer for this deer. I was, I mean, I, I, when I was sitting on the dozer clearing uh, cedars and everything, this is the deer I was thinking about. And uh, so I, I, you know, I did my kind of quick two videos or whatever. Uh, I videoed myself walking down to the buck but I didn't want to show him, um, put my phone in my pocket and I just sat there and, and looked at him for a while. Um, I eventually reached up there, grabbed his antler, pulled him up and, uh, and uh, yeah, I, like I, I can't describe the emotions. It was all at one time I was feeling immense joy. I was feeling immense sadness and and a little bit empty, um, not like empty with my life or re- you know regretting anything like that. Um, but I I realized it was over. Like this thing that has consumed me, this chase uh, was no longer there. And uh, I, I very quick like like all this was running through my mind in a matter of seconds. I was like, he like when I check my trail cameras in the morning, he's not going to be on them. Uh, at the end of the season, you know, when I'm trying to figure out what deer left till next year, he's not going to be there. Um, but obviously at the exact same time, I'm like, man, he's mine. The 2% buck is 100% mine because I was really starting to doubt whether I was ever going to kill him. Uh, you know, a lot of deer seem to kind of slip up in their old age. He was not slipping up. He was just as sharp as he had ever been. Um, what really did this buck in? Like, like I, I it's, it, y'all going to laugh when I say this, but like, what was really the thing that helped me kill this deer were the cows. Putting the cows in that pasture on that exact day threw him off his pattern and made him vulnerable. And, uh, I, I told you guys, like the more I learned about him, the more I kind of figured I didn't know. Uh, I've heard stories of deer, uh, like on public land or something, like these big mature bucks bedding where they can see the parking lot. Or, you know, if, if somebody goes in on the same path every time, bedding to where they can, uh, you know, downwind of that path. Um, I've heard of deer like uh, bedding next to blinds before so they know when the hunter's walking in to get in that blind. I've heard lots of crazy stories like that. And usually when you hear them, it's like, okay, like were they really that smart? Like I said, this deer came from the west. I was fully expecting him to come from the east. 
and uh, the way this property is, so there's like a there's there's one gate. There's really only one way for me to access this back area, like the the area I'm always talking about where I'm hunting. There's really only one way for me to get back there. And next to my road, there's kind of a a bowl. And back like two years ago, I took the dozer in there and dozed dozed it out a little bit and kind of made a little bedding area. And I am like 99% certain that this buck was bedding there in that bowl watching that access route. And I think what, and, and he could see like where I walked in, I didn't walk up that road, but if he was bedded there, he could see me walk across the opposite hill down to that blind. And, uh, I, I really think he was sitting there and he knew when I was, he knew when I was there. Um, and, uh, like I said, you know, I, I got in a lot earlier this day. And so I think I just got in there early enough that he kind of wrote me off or forgot about me and, and still came in right at last light. Uh, because again, like he, he could not have been far. He could not have been betting far away to actually get there in daylight. As I mentioned in the five years or whatever that I've been tracking this deer, I have maybe 10 daylight pictures in all those years. So he had to be close by. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I had him, I drug him out a little bit, picked his antlers up. Uh, my good buddy Randy, you know, I texted a couple of my my close buddies, and Randy called me and was congratulating me and everything. And um, so it was just really cool. So I, I took a few pictures there uh, myself. Uh, I was able to load him up. I got lucky; he was next to a low spot, and I was able to back my tires into the low spot and, and load him pretty easy by myself. Um, one thing that I'm kicking myself for: I actually bought a scale just to weigh this buck. Uh, and I don't know what I did with it and I completely forgot about it. Like it, it never entered my mind. Uh, but I really wanted to weigh him because he, he's just monstrous, uh, body eight and a half years old. Um, took him up to the house, got to show my nieces and nephews. My brother came out, helped me take some more pictures. Um, and that was that I went and got a, a celebratory pizza from pizza hut and came back and, you know, got him gutted and, and, uh, caped out and everything. Uh, I'm going to do a shoulder mount on him. Hey guys, sorry. Obviously this is John. Uh, I was actually doing my, my final edit and I realized that I left out a really important, cool part of the story. So this is me cutting it up to interject this part. So my apologies, this is not flow whatsoever. Uh, but I forgot to mention that, um, where I actually killed this buck is actually the exact same spot that I got my first ever picture of him way back in 2017. And so I just thought that was really cool. It's only about 350, 350 yards from where I saw him for the first time. And so I just thought that was really cool that six years later, it all came back to where it all started. So sorry, I just realized I left out that awesome detail. And now we're going to have an awkward transition back into the podcast where we were. Uh, a ton of people have asked me about the score, and uh, and again, like score is not why I killed this deer. It's why I started after him, um, but I just I wanted him for so many other reasons. But he uh, he has shrunk quite a bit in his old age. Um, again, like back in the day when I was calling him CR and everything, 
I thought he would be close to that 170 mark as a typical 10 point. I don't think he would have quite gotten there, but definitely 160 plus. <coughs> um, after scoring him, he was he was only 13 and three quarter inches wide. He had no mass. Uh, his bases were only four inches. Uh, his his biggest mass measurement was four inches. Uh, he he carried the mass decently well, but just didn't have much to start with. Uh, his longest time. I believe was 11 inches. Uh, so he did have a uh, really good length. Uh, his fours were, I think five and a half and six inches, which is really good for fours. Um, you know, that's really what helps take a deer to the next level. But like his brow tines, his brow tines were not even as big around as my pinky. Um, I don't know how he hadn't broken them off. Um, but all that to say when, when I told it all up, he ended up scoring one forty nine and five eights. And so I'm obviously rounding that up to one fifty. Um, so yeah, when all was said and done, he's 150 inch deer. Um, like I said, the pictures are kind of deceiving just because he is so stinking tall, but if you really look close, he's just not heavy. He's not wide. You know, he, he probably lost four inches in his old age off of, uh, his width measurement. Um, and probably, you know, six to 10 inches somewhere in mass. Um, but <coughs> again, y'all know I am never, ever going to complain about 150 inch deer. So, so that's it. That is the story of the 2% buck. He is mine. He is with Amy at primetime taxidermy, getting the full shoulder mount. Um, I, I got the form and it has on there, you know, like which direction and pose and all that. Uh, I literally just wrote, surprise me. I, I trust her. She's super artistic. Um, and so I'll get him back, you know, sometime in the next year and, uh, and I don't know what he'll look like, but, um, super excited. Um, as always, I owe my wife so much, uh, because, you know, I, I was pretty fresh off of a week-long, nine-day ruckcation trip to West Texas and Iowa. Like, I didn't just go to Iowa. I also went to West Texas, which added, you know, two days onto the trip or whatever. Um, and then, you know, when I got home, we went straight into rifle season. Um, obviously, I'd been bow hunting before that. And so, huge, huge shout-out to my wife, who is amazing. And I, I owe a lot of this to her. Um, and a huge shout out to you guys too. Like I said, a big reason that I wanted to, to get this buck, um, obviously for myself, but I just, I loved bringing you guys along for the, for the story. And it was so cool. Like even this summer I had, uh, you know, listeners messaging me like, Hey, have you seen the 2% buck? Like, Hey, you know, any pictures of him? Um, and just encouraging me saying, you're going to get him, you know, keep after it. Uh, so a huge shout out to you guys as well. So like I said, the episode that I wasn't sure would ever happen, it is happening. I don't know if y'all have noticed, but like I'm losing my voice uh, during this episode because I'm like an hour and 10 minutes in of straight talking me by myself. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and wrap this one up. But again, thank you guys so much for, for encouraging me. Thank you guys for listening to this podcast. That's going to do it. That is the story of the 2% buck. Um, keep following along. I plan on doing a lot of duck hunting now that, now that, uh, my, you know, basically deer season's pretty much over. I do still have some Texas tags. I do still have my Iowa tag with an invite. So that would be cool if I can find some time to get back up there. Uh, I know it's about to start getting crazy around the holiday, but all that to say, who knows what will happen. So once again, thank you guys. I love you guys. And until next week, 
I will see y'all right back here on the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast. 